Sonic Statesman.com. Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk Episode 7. Today's guests are Andy Jones, who's a long-time editor of Future Music, who's uh, left recently to form his own PR company, who represents uh, many clients in the field of music technology. Uh, we've also got Holland Jones, who's uh, also a journalist and also lectures on uh, musical and Mac-related and multimedia issues. Uh, he's currently finishing up his album, a uh, band called Serious Music. And we're also going to be talking to Simon Power, the producer of our Technomania series. He's joining us a little later on. So how's everybody been? Well, I've just got back from the dentist, so if I sound a bit slurred, then uh, it's not because I'm drunk. It's because I've got, uh, they gave me two injections because everything was going wrong and my tongue is still numb. And I've just been out on the bike to try and get my circulation so I could clear it. It hasn't worked at all. Oh dear. So, I, so that might be the strange noise that you heard earlier. My tongue hanging out the end of my mouth. I'm just kind of thinking of this sort of Robert Crumb kind of uh, yeah, visual. Yeah, it, it, it feels terrible actually. Our first item is uh, Jessica Simpson, who is a kind of a pop singer who was brought to fame through a sort of reality TV program, which uh, in which she got married, I think, or was newly wed. Has just announced that to a to sort of aid her flagging album sales, she's um, going to do personalised MP3 downloads of her song, which is actually quite a nifty idea. The song's called A Public Affair, and it's um, also title is from the album that's titled A Public Affair. For a dollar ninety nine, you can pretend that she's actually singing to you. So uh, you've got to look your name up in uh, a list of you know a, uh, alphabetically sorted names. I actually went and bought the uh, the Andy version. I'm touched, Nick. I really am. Well, I just thought it was... It, I couldn't find Holland, unfortunately. <laughs> what a surprise. You could yeah. give it to the other Andy as well. You get two for the price. Exactly. That's what I thought. I thought, well, I know more Andys than I know Hollins. You didn't bite for me at all, did you? I feel quite hurt now. Well, you'll be the first to hear it. <laughs> at least you won't be getting it secondhand. Um, wait a sec. Let me just find it for you, because then I can... It's rather um, beautifully called... Andy personalised version dash nine five four seven zero eight five dash full MP three. The one, the only thing is, is I when I'm listening to it, it doesn't actually sound like it's her singing. It sounds a bit like it's one of the backing vocalists who they well, this is, they got into this, the session. I'd like guess. to think that it was done in a really amateurish way. Like the, the, the track plays normally, and then it sort of stops, and someone goes, Dave. And then it carries on. <laughs> I think that would be more fun, wouldn't it? That would be fantastic. See, I might pay for that. That would be brilliant. <laughs> well, dragging this into the, the music technology arena, maybe they, 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 they'll get Vocaloid Lena to do it, with probably mixed results, actually. But, um, but it does beg the question, if this technology is going to get, the, the, the software technology is going to improve, maybe people will do this in the future. They'll just bundle loads of different lyrics of each song out there. And you're going to get so many different versions. Well, you always used to get sort of ABBA in French and um, Madonna in Spanish and, you know, didn't you? I mean, people, you know, depending on the market. Mm. But, I mean, this is a great idea because, I mean, how it started off was I think they didn't record anybody and they had a few requests. And so they started to record the uh, popular ones first. And then so if somebody kind of um, signed up and said, have you got Zebedee? You know, they go, oh, better nip in and, um, and do that. So presumably what they did is they got a, a final mix of the track that was un- unmastered or very nearly mastered and then just kind of get someone to sing over it in the various places. I don't know. I see it as another way of getting money out of our teenagers, just like ringtones. Well, I'm not sure how much it costs to download a track anyway. I mean, I think, what, it's usually about a buck, isn't it? So uh, it's a very interesting new marketing ploy. I mean, I imagine that we're going to see a lot of other artists sort of following suit, um, you know, because... Primarily, anything that kind of gets personalised from your pop idol is bound to be successful. And it, it is very slickly done, I have to say. Um, 
so I, I mean in terms of the marketing i mean the actual the actual mp3 itself is you know it, it does it's not quite somebody just sort of going dave it's it's a little better than that well it sounds a bit like uh, madonna's holiday i think i wonder if she's um, dropped any publishing towards them because it does sound an awful lot like that to me oh it's a different voice on the fact that it is her voice it's a personalized version of the song because uh, i don't yeah i mean i've just listened to it and it it, it did sound a, a little bit like it was kind of bolted in there and also because my my uh, name's two syllables it worked really well in the song yeah I, I can't imagine it working very well with your name for example or or a really long name because it's he sort of sings hey andy yeah and it goes very very well with everything else but hey nick would be too short and and you know i don't know it's 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 a great idea though i'm quite excited it was like she was sitting next to me <laughs> singing to me well her and i was record, very excited her record company epic um promises buyer will get three in-song shout outs with the name checks inserted in between verses there you go that's what they say so and i think you I, you have had a name check am i not wrong I'm I'm really quite touched. Talking of uh, voice recognition and voice um, emulation, did uh, anyone see that um, Microsoft uh, bungle of the um, the new Vista speech recognition? It's brilliant, wasn't demo. it? It was a classic, wasn't it? Um, for those who haven't seen it, on uh, we found on YouTube, it's uh, it looks like a kind of um, it's a news piece from it looks like CNN, CNN or CNBC, and um, there's a guy stood outside uh, Microsoft in Redmond and. Um, They've been to a press conference uh, where there was a demo of the Vista uh, voice recognition, and it just goes horribly wrong. And this guy's doing it live to a whole bunch of journalists, and presumably there must be various technological geeks and what have you there. So it's like and a big unveiling, and it just made them look really stupid. And, you know, I mean, he says it must be to do with the background noise and whatever. And I have to say, I, I, it probably was. Um, I mean, we kind of go, hey, I can't hear anything, but he's in a great big hall with a mic in a different place. So, But it just made them look, it's such a disastrous PR exercise. I mean, I don't would, think it could have been any worse, could it? I mean, the, the, it's already got quite a bad name before it's been released, all the delays and everything else, all the rumours flying around. That kind of thing just doesn't do any good for anybody. I mean, you, you would have thought, I yes, there have, might have been a bit of echo or there might have been something else, but shouldn't they try it out beforehand? It just you know? does show complete ineptitude, doesn't it? It, it was, yeah. you know, they, they say it was a, in beta software, but if that's the case, don't show it to hundreds of people live on TV. The very yeah. first comment underneath the YouTube video was from someone who said they use the software all the time, and it's brilliant, and they couldn't understand why it had gone wrong so it wasn't mr w gates was it i wanted to point that out in the interest of balance obviously but uh, yeah i mean the guy actually said well i use it every day to write all my emails and documents and even start applications switch between them etc it works a lot better than this i don't know what was wrong with that demo guy or machine but it is a great feature but it goes back to what we said earlier that someone as big as microsoft would be easily able to stage this event themselves of don't do it dry like that that was just incredible well i agree yeah i mean i can't i can't i i wonder if somebody lost their job over that because uh it was it, it was intensely it was embarrassing watching it's one of those things you're looking at it going oh, i feel so bad for this guy but but it is microsoft so i'm gonna laugh recording a uh, human input into computers it hasn't got a very good track record has it i mean handwriting technology never really took off voice recognition hasn't really taken off even though we keep being told every couple of years that it's the coming thing, but no one seems to have really made it work yet. Well, I beg to differ about handwriting recognition, although oh, I must admit I did actually have to learn to write differently so that my computer could right. understand. I mean, I started off with uh, 
one of those Apple Newtons, and then I got a handspring, uh, which I've still got, and now I've got we got a Dell, which we use for trade shows and what have you. And it uses this uh, system called Graffiti, which is kind of very similar to writing in capitals, and it works very well. You know, I mean, you do take it does right. take a little bit of learning, and I must admit, the first time I kind of immersed myself in it and wrote some stuff. I then came to write a check at the bank, and it was all kind of it looked like hieroglyphics. Um, it was a bit embarrassing, actually, but but um, it's not very good at kind of personalised handwriting. You have to kind of meet it halfway to make it work. But so voice recognition must be kind of a million times worse. It goes. It doesn't that go back to what we were talking about earlier with Vocaloid? It's 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 getting a computer to recognise the human voice and getting a computer to model the human voice. I guess they must be similar technologies needed and it must be very powerful technology to try and get it right so it again it's the the, the human voice is the last thing that need that needs to be modeled and, and needs to be recognized it must be hugely difficult i suppose so but yeah. um but at least yeah i mean i suppose the thing about modeling various electronics is you can do it to component level so you can make your resistors and capacitors and whatever in software and sort of stick them together whereas uh with a voice, it's kind of a bit hard to model the, the elements, isn't it? So what, would you model a tongue yeah. or a tooth, you know, or would you model, how far would you go? You know, would you model the cells that make the tongue up? I mean, I don't know, God. SonicState.com Hi, I'm mic'd up and ready to tell you about Technomania, the new video cast from SonicState.com. Check it out, dude. The Outer Limits of Extreme Technology from Technomania. We're talking to Simon Power, the producer of Technomania. So, Technomania, where, where did it come from? Well, it was a sort of mixture of two things, really. It was a kind of love of the old kind of 50s science fiction films, the, the, the sort of monochrome films, especially uh, directors like Edward D. Wood, who, uh, produ- who directed Plan 9 from Outer Space. I kind of took a bit of that, kind of the essence of those old films, and um, kind of bolted it onto something like You've Been Framed or America's Funniest Videos, and mixed those two genres together, and kind of Technomania was the sort of result of that, really. The illegitimate child of 50s sci-fi and uh, synthesis. <laughs> Yes, yes, very much. I mean, what's your background then? I mean, you've kind of come from an audio... Well, I started off, really, I started my career, if you like, in audio uh, at Capital Radio in London, uh, where I was sort of interviewing the kind of stars of the time. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, people like Mark Almond, uh, Annie Lennox, Boy George, all those people come into Capital, and somebody had to sit there and kind of interview them. Um and the job somehow sort of fell to me. Uh, and I, I just started working on these, these enormous great studios, reel-to-reels they had there, and uh, found that you could, you could almost kind of um, in, invent a world just using a razor blade and, and tape, and I absolutely loved that, that, doing that kind of thing. So this sort of video, um, the video side of things is a, a new area for you, is that right? Yeah, well... As you know, Mick, you kind of introduced me to Sony Vegas and uh, I've really enjoyed working with this programme and I find it very intuitive and um, really easy to work on. And I think all the... Uh, well, I've been working on audio for all these years. All the sort of ideas I've had for, for kind of uh, film and so on have been kind of bubbling away. And then along comes a programme like Sony Vegas and instantly you can, you can transform those ideas into reality. So how have you found the whole kind of research process with Technomania? Well, I, I've just met some amazing people over the last few months while I've been doing this thing. Um, there's there's guys in America who, who are kind of circuit bending and, and that whole sort of um, genre of 
music is is really quite big over there. It's got quite a following, and perhaps even more so than in this country. One guy in particular, James Anderson, who, who just obsessively sits in his workshop, kind of circuit bending old toys and toy keyboards and um, all kinds of things, is is has just turned out to be a wonderful kind of character, and uh, he'll he'll be appearing a lot in the Technomania episodes over the ne- next few months. So has he has he seen it yet? Yes, he has, and it's also on YouTube. And he kind of left a message on YouTube that simply said, "Woohoo!" So I think he's happy. Sonicstate.com. We got a news item in uh, last week from a guy called Kidney Pro, who has uh, traditionally been a guy who who trades in samples and does patches for various things. We've been doing it for donkey's years. We always get his press stuff. So what they do is um, he's added all this hardware inventory to his site that you can buy that's all been sort of checked out by a tech, uh, has, you know, three-month warranty, etc. Is this the future of online trading, given that eBay and most classifieds are just seem to be vehicles for criminal activities? Well, there's a guarantee, which uh, it's, it's going to give a lot of people confidence, isn't it? I mean, three-month guarantee, I think you usually find so if something's going to go wrong, it will have gone wrong during that period in, a lot, in most cases. Um, so to have that is just brilliant. And also, the prices aren't too bad. I know they're in American dollars, and obviously the dollar's quite weak at the moment compared to the pound, but it's almost got me thinking about buying hardware again, some of those prices. They're quite incredible. Yeah, no, it sounds like it might be onto something. And it, it's a model, because, I mean, we've been struggling with our classifiers for years of just trying to figure out a way to make it hard for people to do bad deals. And it's just so difficult, because as with any kind of log-on system, unless you actually have physical proof of somebody's identity it's almost impossible to kind of be sure that they're who they say they are and selling what they say they are and also if they're actually not a seller they're a buyer and they contact the 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 person that way it's really difficult to um you know to keep to keep the chain kind of clean and maybe um you know this this way is is going to be the future or you know it, it was the past and now maybe it's going to be the future again yeah i think it's it's interesting what you said about this used to be the way things were done and then uh, there was a big explosion in eBay and, and things like that. I personally um, have never bought anything of any real value off eBay because maybe it's just me being overcautious, but I just don't really trust it, to be honest. Um, I never have, um, even from, from day one. And I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with eBay. It's just more to do with me feeling the need to be able to sort of ring up a shop at the very least and say, you know, where's my thing or there's something wrong with it. Can I send it back to you? Or I've always subscribe to the idea of buying things from either in person or from a shop rather than anonymously uh, through something like ebay yeah interesting they do ship worldwide as well so you can ah. take advantage of those uh, american dollar prices but obviously check power supply issues and uh, all the yeah, other bits and pieces and uh, in, co- in tax uh, tax coming into the country i don't think you have to pay it on secondhand goods but check all of that yes i mean quite often you get especially coming into the eu you've got vat um, which is 15% and above in most places. So, yeah, you want to check that. Well, I hope I hope it works anyway. Chaos Pad 3, then. Um, I finally got some sort of official information on that. It looks like it's happening. Um, there's been rumours, and I know um, there was a, one on display at uh, the BMF, which I didn't get a chance to go and see. It looks fantastic to start off with. Uh, they've gone for this kind of red finish and these lights that follow your hands or your hands follow the lights as they glide across and you can freeze any hand position on the unit to free up your hand to do something else. They've gone for more of a the ultimate performance tool, really. really 128 performance effects, uh, vocoder, 
sample playbacks. The pad lighting system is the best thing because I love things like that. It looks a bit like Tetris, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, anything like that always gets me straight away. Uh, but I have to say, 300 quid, I think it's... The, the is it going to be... So what's that going to be about $500, $600? The, the only thing that they haven't... They seem to have mi- missed is the phono inputs that uh, used to have. You don't seem to have phono inputs. You've got <coughs> RCA inputs, but they're not phonos. Right. And there used to be a phono input on the KP1 or KP2 so that you could plug a turntable directly in. But, you know, I suppose um, something's got to give. But I do like Korg for trying things like this. I remember the wave drum. Do you remember that? Years and years ago, it was when I first joined Future Music, in 95, they they produced something called the wave drum, which was an electronic drum, which uh, which had lots of peculiar effects and things like that. And for someone to try and do a mass-produced odd drum... Uh, electronic drum i just thought it was really brave and they've kind of carried it on doing uh, the kp series really i mean they, they some some would say they play it fairly safe with their synths but there's always a little little part of the core cool r&d department that's doing something quite quirky and something unusual and it, yeah i think it's manifest well, I mean, itself in the kp series they really did really uh, i mean uh, holland have you ever used the chaos pad for anything um, I'll be honest. I haven't. I know what they are. Um, although I've I've never actually tried to use one. Uh, what is it exactly that they do? Uh, well, it's kind of you've got like an X Y. It's like a touchpad with under yeah. lighting, so it's kind of like a mini disco floor, if you like. Um, and you can just move your finger around th- to control various parameters of effects that are specifically designed to take advantage. So you can be very. It's it's very motional and tactile. So um, a lot of people use it, say, for um, to picture and just for things that they f- they can feel that are harder control with harder to control with knobs. It's sort of hard to explain, but once you have a go, you kind of go, oh yeah, why There's- haven't I got two of these? You know. Eno uses, is it two or three in some kind of very specific way? Well, and there, he's, there's this sort of secret that he knows how to, how to get this amazing setup funny, from two or three chaos pads. Funny you should say that. I, uh, I interviewed him uh, for Korg and uh, Future Music a couple of years ago, and he showed me how he was using them. And he was working on a vocal record, which I think came out last year. And he started off with some, some sort of blues uh, you know, 1920s blues vocals and stuck, stuck them through the chaos pad and got some beats involved. And just watching him do it was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. He really did know his way around. He's one of these people who, when he gets a piece of gear, whether it's a DX7 or a chaos pad, he learns it inside out, which I think is a lesson to us all, really. And he just seemed to be at one with these these things. I was completely blown away. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Did, he, did he link more than one up together? Or he, had, had... Uh, he had three. He had a KP1 and two KP2s. The, the KP2s had just come out, and he, he was feeding the signal in, into one out of the other kind of thing, had them chained together. One of the things that makes this one a bit more interesting is, obviously, it's got uh, is it secure digital and uh, USB, so you can store up to 100 samples in it uh, for recall. Um, and that's kind of quite nifty in, in itself. Uh, gives you a bit more kind of creative possibility because the old one, it was just kind of you power it off, you lost them, wasn't it, really? Well, I'm going to buy one just for the lights, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, they'll probably bring it out for the autumn market just in time for Christmas. So everybody can say, I'd like one of those for Christmas. And if anybody's listening and wants to buy the uh, Sonic Talk team any presents, then um, we'd love to have <laughs> Chaos Pad 3s, please. <laughs>
One thing that's quite interesting is, I mean, you know, back in the sort of late 80s and early early 90s, there was this all this hoo-ha-ha about payola and fixing the charts by uh, by sending teams of people out buying singles from the machines that have the, you know, the, the singles return shop. Um, and all that sort of got eradicated with the, or allegedly, with the age of uh, computerization and um, barcodes and what have you. But there's a sort of interesting new slant on it. And I got an email from a band called Smash Robots, who what they've done is they put a... Uh, a video on YouTube, which is essentially a series of coloured screens and their track, which is the most important part, and said, emailed everybody and said, click on this link, because what it does is it's created a, a, a page that auto-refreshes um, their video. So if they get 25,000 uh, views, then they'll start to kind of appear in the most most viewed videos on uh, on YouTube, so it, it'll get them some interest. They're actually unsigned, but it's a cracking idea, and I suppose it's a sort of uh, an interesting way of fixing the charts in a way. I mean, uh, what do you think about that? I think this goes back a little bit to what we were talking about last week when we were talking about MySpace and how do you get yourself, how do you get your head above the rest of the people on there? Um, and whilst I wouldn't ever sort of condemn anyone for, for trying to do that. Um, it's I don't know I, I sound like Mr Negative this week but again I I, I think it's a it's a tad cynical um, but then if it works then then who knows but I I do wonder at the end of the day if it isn't better to just have really great songs. <laughs> well I I think you're being a bit harsh I mean I didn't think it was too bad I thought I quite enjoyed it in some ways. Did you? Yeah I mean you know I'm, it's a, in a pop kind of way I mean what did you think Andy it was had a, well, sort of I, some eighties references in there I thought. The only, the only thing, I mean, I sort of agree with Holly in a way, but the only thing, with, having great songs just doesn't sell sell itself these days, does it? You, you need that bit more. And, um, you know, I've said in a couple of articles I've written, you could, you could stick as many great songs or what you think are great songs on websites, but there's so much other music out there that you have to do something a little bit different to get noticed, which is, I think, it's a bit of a shame, really, but it's it's the way of the world. The, one of the guys behind it is a guy called Mark Tinley, who is uh, a sort oh, of programmer oh. um, who worked a lot with Duran Duran, but in the 80s he was uh, kind of a bit of a dance yeah. 909 expert. Yeah. And uh, he used to do some writing for Sonic, actually. He's a bit of a freelance guy. He's an interesting bloke, actually. A bit also into um, all sorts of customised motorcycles, but, you know, he's obviously had an idea and just thought, this is a good one, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. It's it's working for them. I mean, they they said they needed twenty five thousand. They were above twenty thousand when I looked this morning. So um, it's, yeah, they're getting it's, there. They're not doing bad. Interesting. I mean, as technology becomes, a lot of technologies were based on sort of embedded operating systems. You know, like the iPod. You can uh, you can actually run a version of Linux on it. Um, uh, and there's an interesting page of hacks there. Uh, but my favourite hack has got to be the um, booting the Corg Oasis, which is the, you know, six, seven, eight thousand um, dollar monster workstation from Corg, which is sort of a showcase for all their finest technology, and um, booting it into Linux or in Winter Windows, like any old sort of two or three hundred dollar PC. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. So you can pl- so you can play Minesweeper on it. <laughs> well, quite possibly. Yeah. I don't. I suppose you could. What I do find. A little bit frustrating by all of this is it seems that every mobile gadget or every gadget can be is essentially as they say it's essentially a computer so why can't one gadget do everything that every other gadget does why can't it be a gadget that does everything uh, am, I, am i being cynical in thinking that maybe there yeah. is a gadget somewhere that does everything but people want to keep selling us an ipod or, or, or a, 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 a pda or a digital camera all separately uh, for as long as they can. 
Well, I suppose there's some truth in that. I mean, different operating systems have different um, selling points and uh, strong points. This this did highlight the fact that the you know the iPod can play games and and it can be a PDA and a word processor. I mean, it's got the technology there, and you just think, well, uh, you just you just wonder to yourself, is there is this all this technology? Uh, have they already got it? Is it sitting in a laboratory and it's going to come out in ten years' time? Um, there's some t- there's some talk that the next generation of iPods uh, will support games as well. Apparently, Apple have been talking to Nintendo. That's I'm right. Aware. I heard that rumor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Well, that would be interesting. I mean, and it would make perfect sense. I was going to say another interesting iPod-based uh, rumor that I've seen is that the uh, it's fairly well known that the next uh, the next one or a, a revision in the near future will be all screen and will sort of have a virtual interface. But the thinking is now that it won't be a touch screen. It'll be a screen that you don't touch in the sense that you touch the air about half an inch above the screen, and that acts as... Oh, wow. Yeah, but you've still got to hold it somehow, and you're going to get fingerprints on it and stuff. I'm not sure I kind of concur with that. I mean, it would have to be a bit of a masterpiece of design to make it work properly and encourage you not to touch the screen. But, I mean, Apple are very good at that sort of thing, so it's quite possible that it will happen. But um, it's a, you know, waving your finger some indeterminate distance above the surface does a bit it's a bit floaty isn't it <laughs> in the true sense of the word i think we're getting close to our uh, allotted time here so i'd just like to thank our guests andy jones thanks very much nick Cheers. and holland jones thank you for joining us once again they're not related uh, i just want to point that out just happen to be victims of circumstance so, um, just remains for me to say thanks very much to our guests once again, Andy Jones and uh, Holland Jones. And just remember, uh, if you want to contact us, you can contact us using the Skype handle Sonic Talk, uh, or if you want to use the phone, a number in the US is 312 376 8089, or outside of the US is 001 312 376 8089. We also have an email set up which is Sonic Talk at sonicstate.com uh, we'd love to hear from anybody we're quite happy to include anything in future podcasts it'd be nice to get a bit of uh, live interaction with you lot out there um, thanks very much for listening Sonic Sonic State. State.